I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 182 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have a Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood for you guys today. Former Navy SEAL Jason Kuhn will be here with me in just a few minutes. He has got an amazing story, so please stick around for the interview. This has really been an incredible week with dads from all walks of life as usual, and next week will be no different. I'm going to smack you guys with another five banger here, starting it off on Monday with fisherman, hunter, and former NHL hockey player Tim Brent. Tuesday, author and mixed martial arts instructor Chris Santillo will be here to discuss his new book, which drops that same day, called Resilience Parenting. Wednesday, Texas Land Commissioner and veteran George P. Bush, the grandson of President George H.W. Bush, will be here. Thursday, the meteorologist from Good Morning America, Rob Marciano, stops by. And Friday, Thomas O'Neill, the first-class father of Navy SEAL Team 6 operator, Rob O'Neill, will be joining me here. And, of course, Rob O'Neill himself was a guest on the podcast last year. You can flip it back to episode 54 to check that one out. So let's go, dads. Locking into the podcast here. we got an incredible, awesome, and exciting week of content coming your way. As for today, it is Good Friday. It is also the start of Easter break, which means all four of my kids will be home. And I am trying to plan some activities to do. One of the things I have on the schedule is I plan on bringing my daughter on a fancy date to see Disney's Frozen on Broadway. And I was fortunate enough to interview one of the cast members. First class father Robert Creighton was here back on episode 153. So it'll be kind of cool to catch him in action. My daughter is one of the few girls on the planet that seem to really love this Frozen. uh, So I'm looking forward to that. And this will also be the last week where I am not the father of a teenager. My oldest will be 13 years old on the 20th. So I'm really getting ready to start a new chapter in my own fatherhood journey here. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for our family. So we got a lot of changes headed our way. Checkmate Charlie himself was here on the podcast back on episode 43. And I was just listening back to that the other day. And boy, does he sound so much different. So a lot of changes are taking place. A lot of excitement. Big things are happening. Big guests will be joining me up. So lock it in. Help me spread the word about First Class Fatherhood. Tell every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list about the podcast. And if you could be kind enough to hit me with a rate or a review over on iTunes or wherever you happen to be enjoying the show. I would really appreciate it. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to jump right into the action now with former Navy SEAL Jason Kuhn. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a combat veteran who served with the elite United States Navy SEALs. He is the founder of Stonewall Solutions. He was a closer for a top 25 nationally ranked NCAA baseball team. He is a keynote speaker and consultant. It is a big honor for me to say, Jason Kuhn, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Jason, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Yeah, I have three, two girls and a boy, and they are nine, six, and three. The girls are nine and six, and my little boy is three years old. 
Very cool. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Well, they both do soccer because uh, Mama Mama's into soccer, so they both uh, play soccer, and they both like uh, the girls, and they like gymnastics. And uh, one, and then my uh, middle child Piper is six. She also does dance. And then William is three, where he's still kind of figuring out what he's into. But he's a uh, he's a hilarious little kid and a, and, a, and a good little guy. So, well, we'll see what he gets into later. Awesome. Now, do you or your wife get involved with coaching at all with the soccer teams, or do you guys like to cheer them on from the sideline? Well, we have been on the sidelines until recently, and then my wife started coaching. We're both self-employed, so it makes it difficult to commit to a season and to the players and parents, you know, that we can be there all of the time. But this year we were able to find some freedom there, and my wife, Gretchen, now is coaching Piper's team, and it's working out wonderfully. So she's going to try to coach – Mackenzie, my oldest, next year and uh, work into that. I would love to, but I travel so much it makes it uh, difficult to commit to that. So that that is one of the challenges that I face uh, is that, that I would love to and I'm just not able to given the dynamics of my work right now. Okay, yeah, I can understand that. Please, Jason, take a second here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, of course. Well, I was a college athlete. I played baseball. Middle Tennessee State University. I was really good, or I became really good while I was in college. I was pretty good in high school. And then uh, towards the end of my senior year, I developed what's known as performance anxiety. Uh, My career ended right there when it was looking uh, pretty promising that I would become a professional baseball player. Not a high-round draft pick or anything, but but a pro player. Um, So I I failed right there. 9-11 was the same year, and uh, a few other things came together in my life that pushed me towards wanting to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. So I did. I joined the Navy, uh, went went to Buds, became a Navy SEAL, uh, eventually became a sniper and a team leader, had some wonderful deployments. I did about 10 years total in, uh, in special operations and then came home and friends were asking about Mental toughness, focus, you know, how to get past the fear of failure and different things. A couple of my friends had made it to the big leagues, and I met them through, you know, our old coach, and we would we would talk, and they would just ask me questions. That bled over into the corporate side, and then I started working with my old college baseball team and a few others on mindset, culture, and leadership, and then that developed into a, a business that keeps me very busy now. Yeah, what an incredible journey, Jason. And that mindset is really one of the most attractive aspects about the entire Navy SEAL community. And I think it is so beneficial to our entire society that you guys are so accessible now, where, as you mentioned, joining up 9-11, there wasn't half the information available as there is now about the Navy SEALs. And that never-quit mindset is so inspiring. How can we kind of get this instilled in our kids at a very young age? Because many dads out there struggle with their kids wanting to quit certain things. So how can we kind of help them, you know, attain that mindset? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to I'm going to generalize and simplify with a, a quick statement here and you know, I like to say you know, I think we have kind of a problem or an issue and I battle it myself as well. You know, haven't been to war and back. Sometimes I just want to take it easy on my kids and live laugh and love and the reality is is that life and and the things that we go do is hard. And through that adversity and our responses to it is ultimately how we grow into the person that we're ultimately meant to become and accomplish things that's how we leave our legacy you know it's, it's it's less i think in what we accomplish and more in how we respond 
both in good and bad times. So I like to think of, you know, less of preparing the path for the kid and more of preparing the kid for the path. And I tell people all the time that I learned everything I needed to graduate buds and become a SEAL. You know, for those that don't know, the attrition rate is incredibly high. It's between 70 to 80% of people don't make it through the training. In my class, we had 135 men start, I believe, and we finished Hell Week with 20, and I was blessed and fortunate to be one of those men. But I tell people all of the time when they ask, how did you make it through that? Well, it was through the prior experiences and what I learned. So I learned everything I needed to graduate buds pretty much at the baseball field to include my failure in it. You know, that could have been a defining moment and almost was. And plenty of people, you know, when you're when you're fail, a failure in baseball due to performance anxiety and you're going to a place where you have to perform very at a very high level and, uh, you know, what they call the most mentally challenging training in the world, a lot of people have thought I lost my mind. But, again, it's the constant response and being forged, not broken, and, you know, learning. I gained self-awareness and motivation, took that forward, and was ultimately able to accomplish something greater. Yeah, and thank you for your service, Jason. It's truly amazing what you have accomplished here. You know, you were able to turn it all around from at one point. Your dream to play in the major leagues looked really possible to attain, and then you had that taken away from you. You managed to pivot and then adopt a new dream, an even bigger dream, and then crush that. I mean, that's incredibly inspiring stuff. And I know Buds has that high attrition rate, but unfortunately, something else that has a high attrition rate is marriage. Many marriages are ending in divorce, and we also have a severe fatherless household problem in this country right now with many dads who are just walking away from their family so is there any way to kind of apply this never quit mindset to family life marriage and, and fatherhood yeah well i'll tell you for me Hudson, and she's an utter rock star so as you say thanks for your service i always pass it on to her because the wife's had the hard part right we got to go run around and chase bad guys and, and really live out a dream and uh you know, so they were the ones that were left at home to manage all all the problems and, and often not know exactly what was going on with us and she just was able to compartmentalize and, and be a leader for our family and for a lot of the other uh seal platoon wives she was just wonder wonderful and still is and we just celebrated our 12th year anniversary two days ago and for us you know there's no real magic trick to it we you know we've been together and made it through all of that and um you know, for for one, I would just say we just never made divorce an option, me and her, and we stay faithful to each other. And then, um, I, I, you know, we've had our ups and downs, and we have had some some really tough times, as anyone does. But you know, it is. It's just we just it's the same thing. But you just don't make quitting an option. You know, and um, that's that's how I've looked at it with her is is that and you're just going to have you know it's like when when you for those that quit buds I think you know it's, it's a tough thing but it's like one second later you regret it and that's the same thing you know we make these decisions and it's it's as soon as it's over you leave you're just going to find the same problem somewhere else or a different version of them you know a different flavor so for me and her it's more about responding to these things and growing through the challenges as best that we can um, you know we, we do read books when when we need to or you know we did the, the love languages and that was huge. Uh, the five love languages, because hers is, we're on the opposite spectrum of that. If you're familiar with what I'm talking about, I think it's uh, Gary Chapman's book, right? Yeah, we actually just did the love languages about six or eight months ago, my wife and I. I mean, we're married 14 years, and to be honest, we should have done that at least 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. You know, and I'm, I always take everything with a little bit of skepticism and a grain of salt, but that that really, really proved effective for us, because what I recognized was, well, I'm doing things that I think she should appreciate, but that's not how she naturally receives 
love. And then she was doing the same thing. And then once we figured out where we were on that spectrum and were able to apply it, is that really uh, that was really it. And and she's given me the courage to do everything. You know, there was one time I had a deployment. And this is, this is um, it was kind of a dynamic situation, so I won't break into the specifics of it, but for whatever reason, it worked out where I kind of had a choice to deploy or not after uh, some of our friends had been um, killed in combat. And um, she said, you know, for me to be happy, you have to be happy. So if you need to go, then go. But don't put this on me. It's your decision, right? And it's an amazing woman that... Uh, you know that 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 can do that, and uh, she, you know, even with starting business, we were pretty much on our last dollar at one point. And I had worked with a high school baseball team that had never won more than a playoff game in the history of the school and no state championships. But they ended up winning the state title. And as I'm tracking the score on Twitter, we're in the car together, and I'm trying to see if they come back to one, and they did. I started crying. You know, tears. <laughs> I was just so happy. And she looked at me and she said, this is what you're meant to do. And so this is, we're going to make it happen one way or another. You know, worry is a liar and this is, this is meant to be. So we're just going to go get what you need to go get and we're going to start. And then she started her photography business and, you know, God has been blessing us ever since. Yeah, that's awesome, Jason. And it definitely takes a village to raise a child. And that's why, you know, it's so important to have the mother and father involved with a child's upbringing. And listen, with all the curveballs that come at you here in life, it, it's just, uh, it's so challenging. And I think that the five love languages should be like a mandatory exercise that you have to complete uh, once you get that marriage diploma. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Jason, is because I recently had a Marine on the podcast here that's an expert when it comes to bullying. And that's a subject here that has changed quite a bit from the time when I was a kid. So uh, have you had any experience with your kids uh, being bullied at all or being the bully? And how do you kind of um, teach them or talk to them about approaching a bully situation? Yeah, I don't, you know, I, that's a great question. So I'm going to kind of think out loud here, but I haven't really experienced anything that I would label as bullying that, that is any sort of issue that I felt I needed to get involved in or anything like that. And I do believe that that label is tossed around so loosely now and probably for good and good reason and definitely good intention. But I'm very careful with what I want my kids to determine as bullying, especially the girls. I want them to learn how to solve problems on their own and be strong, independent women. And the more we allow that victimhood, victimhood mentality breeds more victimhood. And, it's, you know, self-pity is a worthless emotion in an effort to win and succeed. So that's the that's what I, I, I'm very careful with what I allow them to say, hey, I'm you know, I'm being bullied, or I'm this, or I'm that. Well, are you really, or is it, you know, are you just having normal social interaction that is not going the way you want it to right now and you need to learn how to handle it, right? Um, you know, I remember when I was a young man, I was getting, I guess, bullied, if you will, by a group of seniors when I was a sophomore, and my dad taught me how to fight. And then, he, you know, he kept telling me to try to, to make peace with this. At one point, I just couldn't, you know. And the thing was, you can walk away as much as you want to walk away, and I did many times. The problem was my opponent had legs, and he could save me <laughs> with this whole group. And that's like, you know, problems will chase you around, and sometimes you have to turn around and face them. So my dad actually drove me, and they were waiting for me in a parking lot one day. And a word had gotten to me that they were going to jump me in that parking lot. Well, if they were going to do it once, you know, it was a matter of time until they caught me on my own. My dad happened to be there with me, and he walked out there with me. And he made sure that the fight would be one-on-one. He asked me if I wanted to fight. I said no, but I think that I have to. 
And he said, yeah, I think you're right. And um, he said, but I won't make you. And then once I determined that I was going to, he also said that he wasn't going to stop the fight even if I started to lose. And I said, that's fine. And then we were there. We, we ended up not having that problem. My dad taught me well, and uh, and, it, and it was what it was. And then afterwards, he said, how do you feel? And I said, well, I feel relief that it's over, but I don't feel good. I'm not glad that I hurt somebody. And he said, it's fine. And he said, I'm proud of you. You did good. Now go be friends with him. And we were and are. And I think that we're so sensitive to things these days where, you know, you know, I, it, it's sometimes we're rowdy as we learn to navigate the lessons of, of our life, right? And uh, but, but we're so sensitive to that word sometimes. But I'm really careful. But there are, but, because it degrades when people really are being bullied, when there really are problems that need to be handled. And, I, you know, I've seen some of that, and it's really sad. And so that's where I'm just really careful with that word, if you will. With my girls, I want them to handle it. And my boy, I want them to handle it up to the point um, to where, it, you know, if it becomes an issue, then I'll get involved. But I want them to be as, as independent as possible prior to. Yeah, good stuff, Jason. And I agree with you. It is time to get an important word from our sponsors and then back with more from Jason Kuhn. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Kids are not born with a politeness gene. You can parent by example, which is a good way for kids to learn about sharing, proper behavior, table manners, and so on. But there's an app that reinforces every good thing you're teaching your child. The SirDap Game Show app challenges players ages 5 to 8 to choose good behavior in fun scenarios with quirky cartoon characters that keep good humor in the mix. Check out SirDap.com. That's S-I-R-D-A-P-P.com to learn more. You know, like 90% of what me and my friends did back in the day, you know, would be considered bullying today. And a lot of that stuff was helpful as far as the whole growth process, especially fighting in the schoolyard and and overcoming those type of fears. But what really has changed the game here, Jason, is that we never had to worry about uh, cyberbullying. And I thought when I first heard about that, that it was some kind of joke or nothing to be taken seriously. But I mean, it, it is serious and it is having, you know, especially with social media, it's having a devastating effect on our teenagers. The teenage suicide rate has spiked and there's a lot of technology issues for for many parents out there myself included i mean my old daughter she's already swiping the screen she loves youtube uh so how do you kind of handle or, or monitor the video games technology and all that stuff with your kids yeah great question i we, we that is something that we are on top of so i would say i am i'm not very strict i would say necessarily in certain areas i are you know um but but the big things. Other than that, I wanted to kind of just grow and develop. And But with technology, we are on top of it because it is a new problem that, you know, the world has really never faced, at least not at this exponential rate like you mentioned. It, it's just gone from, you know, from 2000 to 2019, you know, it's just, it's just amazing what's out there. So we are on top of YouTube and try to watch how much screen time they get. Because, it's, you know, it's like, man, they'll go from the phone to the iPad to the TV. You know, but it's still a screen. Thing. You know, so we just turn everything off. Uh, we don't have TVs in their rooms, and you know, a lot of times we just leave everything off. And then, as far as social media and cyberbullying, we—they're not at ages yet to where that's an issue. But I know that it will be, and it's something that I didn't have to deal with, and neither did my wife. So we are—you know—we're—we have an eye on it. We're aware of it. And I ha- I don't really have a plan developed as how I'm going to manage that yet. But 
in all honesty, they're probably not going to have social media accounts, social media accounts as early as a lot of their friends are. They're probably going to get angry at Daddy for that, but it is what it is because it's not my job to be their best buddy all the time. My job is to be their father, and I want, um, you know, ultimately they'll, they'll understand that one day. And I also try to keep them actively engaged in other things. So we'll take the camper out and we'll hit, you know, a state park and camp. And I loved it because my daughter said, hey, will you take the iPad? It's boring. And then she runs and she's climbing on a tree somewhere. They're making little pulley systems with a rope and a rock and doing all of this stuff. So I try to get them, and, and, you know, we go down to the beach, and I get involved with them so that they're active, you know. We'll, we'll get on the skim boards. We'll go swim them out. We'll go fishing, whatever. And that way I'm I'm intentionally keeping them actively engaged on something else. And then when we get back, oh hey, yeah, you wanna you wanna watch a movie on the iPad or something and, and calm down a little bit. Then they have appreciation for that. Um but yeah, back to the cyberbullying, I'm not really sure, but we're gonna watch it. It's it's wild, you know, I think off my college days you know, I walked the line. I mean me and me and my friends did. We were no, we weren't bad kids or anything like that by any means. And um but there were you know, there were times and instances where man I, I that that's a a night that I'm glad was not broadcast to the entire world, right? And we've all been there. Well, now everyone's walking around, around with a live video feed in their pocket at 19, 20 years old with alcohol and whatever else. They're at parties, and it's just a recipe for something we have just never had to prepare for. Because you want them to go out and have fun, find themselves, find their boundaries, but at the same time, one bad, you know, uh, sentence, one bad action, one bad night can be something that stays with you forever now on social media and I, I'm not really sure what the solution to that is but but it's something I need, I need to think through for sure. Yeah, it's definitely an on-the-job training thing for myself as well here. Our oldest is about to be a teenager. we got a little over a week to go here. And, and there's a whole new form of peer pressure out there to deal with. I mean, whereas back in the day, it was maybe what clothes you wore or who you hung out with. Today, it's more about what phone you have, what apps you're using, uh, who's in your Snapchat group or, or whatever they got going on. It's, it's a whole different world, and I'm trying to catch up with it and learn about it as fast as possible here. Yeah, and I think you take in the whole, you know, high school's a tough time for kids between you know, their popularity and everything and, and, and self-identification. And you look at, you add into that, you know, followers. And, and I work in a lot of high schools. And I talk to the, um, the student athletes often about not allowing critics or other people to define who they are. You know, use people's opinions to gain self-awareness, but don't allow them to define what you believe about your own potential and what you're capable of accomplishing in life. You know, I believe everybody's born for greatness. And the thing is with social media, that just adds another layer of that. You know, how many Twitter followers or Instagram followers do I have? Yeah. What if it's just a whole other layer to what's on an already t- a difficult situation? Yeah, definitely. All right, and you are the owner of Stonewall Solutions. Uh, what kind of got you started with that, and what can you tell my listeners about it? Well, it really got started by accident. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, you know, I kind of stay behind the scenes a little bit, and uh, I was asked by a friend when I came home from a deployment to Iraq in about 2014. I came home, and a friend asked, "Hey, will you?" Uh, well, first, my my high school, or my college baseball coach at Middle Tennessee State asked for me to come to speak to the team, and then after that, a friend who was working with the Vanderbilt football team asked me if I would speak to the team and then run them through some active team-building drills. And so I decided to do that. That went really well. And then from there, 
I worked with uh, that, the, the, the team in Pennsylvania. It's Knock High School. They won the state title. Then I worked with a football team that fall, Independence High School here in Tennessee. And uh, I, I'm just a small piece of the equation, but when the equation has all the elements in it, things can work out. They went from 6-5 and five to a max prep number one national ranking. And then from there, it just continued to snowball. And then it took off on the corporate side. So now I provide leadership consulting services, team building programs. Uh, so, you know, I've worked with groups from Bank of America to, you know, Planet Fitness to, to local high schools, you name it. I just like to go where where I'm desired and, and, and give the best, you know, the best training possible. And what I noticed was a lot of times we have people come in and talk about leadership or mental toughness, but they rarely tell you how to be mentally tough and or how to lead or how to respond to adversity, how to fail up or properly and, and how to gain process improvement. And so that's where I wanted to create a system where it's less about there is some motivational stuff in there and I do talk about experiences from war, but that's what it's about. It's not about me. It's about the experiences and what I learned from working with men better than myself and then just sharing those with others so that they can learn to succeed. But in a format where you're providing skill sets that people can immediately apply. Motivation is great, but it wears off. And, you know, so I don't want to say, hey, be a great teammate because we were great teammates and brothers in the SEAL teams and it feels good. I want you to know the performance value in that. How is it going to actually make you succeed better at what you do? And I believe that's the formula that I figured out and what keeps me busy. Yeah, that's awesome, Jason. And like I said before, I, I just think it's so beneficial to our entire society to have access to somebody like you, uh, to your whole entire community. I think it's just um, you guys offer so much. You come from a place of genuine experience. I think it's really great, and it's a great asset for so many people. Uh, what's next for you? You've had so many accomplishments. You've got the Stonewall Solutions going on. Are you ever considering a book at some point here about your journey? What kind of goals or plans do you have for the future? Yeah, yeah, I was... So, like I said, when I first started this, I wasn't, you know, when I came home, I told my wife, don't tell anyone that doesn't already know what I used to do for a living. Because for me, it was it was just, you know, it was never about that. And, and for most, it's not. And uh, but then I started seeing how sharing my experiences was helping others. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it in the right way. So I've been very careful with that. And uh, I believe I figured out a, a pretty good system to that. And as I said, it's about the experiences, not me, and then just sharing what I learned from men better than me and, and 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 the guys that I got to walk alongside. So I am working on a book. I have a podcast as well. Um, I have lessons learned on the website. Where um, I also write for a magazine called Inside Pitch, and then I travel around the country and I give keynote presentations, half-day seminars, and then with some corporate teams, I work as a consultant throughout the year and help them you know, provide solutions for specific challenges or just train them periodically through leadership. So I, uh, for me, I really like working at the high school level, and then I really like working with corporate groups and digging in and helping them find solutions to these problems that they, that they face. So that's the direction I want to take it in and uh, continue to do so. I have workbooks that go with the training, so the outline for the official book is, will be there. And then the next thing is I'm, I, I do get – more volume or calls than I can handle, and then sometimes pricing or budgeting is an issue. So to solve that problem, I'm going to create an online training course at a discounted rate where either if I'm booked out or if, if, if budgeting is an issue, you can go on there, get the same training. It just won't be me live in person. It'll be pre-recorded videos. Download the workbook. Work through the material on your own at your own pace. 
and, and then I get the same level of training because I really do try to respond to every single message and everything that I get. It just it gets difficult sometimes, and it's, it's a wonderful problem to have. So I'm just trying to create some processes and systems where I can get that you know get that information to to everyone. Uh, you know, whether it's a 15-year-old young man struggling to throw strikes on the mound, or you know, a corporate CEO, or whatever it is. So that's kind of how I envision it. But honestly, ever since this started, it just kind of fell in my lap, and it's been you know I haven't gotten more than I could handle. You know, God has provided the right things at the right times, and I just want to continue to let it develop the way it's supposed to develop. I focus on producing results, and if people that work with me succeed and get results the rest will take care of itself you know yeah very well said all right last thing i want to hit you with here jason i love to ask all the dads that i get on the podcast what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about to be dad who's out there listening yeah it goes fast and i had a real issue with being with a from doing the kind of work that i was doing with deployments uh and special operations and then moving pretty much immediately into startup business i struggled with having a a strong, you know, mental presence. I was there, but I was distracted. My mind was elsewhere often. So what I would say is when you have time or when you're with your your children, lock in completely to what they're doing and look for detail. You know, okay, hey, I'm here with them. I'm locked in with them. Look for detail. Look for the dimples in the face, the way they smile, the way they laugh, and look for those little intricate details. And that's going to help you really be in the moment even more. And then as I got even busier, and the busyness was not a necessity. It wasn't like it was a choice. You know, we were out of money, and I had to put food on the table. So I had to get out there, and I had to work, and it took a tremendous amount of time and travel. But what I started to do was I would just schedule out my time. So when they get home from school from this time to this time, that is their time. So I'm putting everything else away. At first, I tried to do both. Well, I'll have my computer open, but I'll sit here and play a game with them or whatever. That was not the right way to do it. It wasn't effective. So now I put it, you know, I schedule that time. And once it's scheduled and it's there, it is theirs to the point where at times I will turn my phone off or, um, you know, just shut down all the electronics and lock into what they're doing. And then for me, you know, I haven't read a lot of books or really any on parenting or anything like that, but our kids are doing wonderful so far. A lot of that's due to mama, but I, uh, I just try to love them. You know, I just try to love them as much as I can and be there for them and also find their love language and lock into that. And I've noticed that it's different for them. For my kids, they're, they're different ones. You know, one who just really loves quality time. Another one loves when I, when I you know, bring her gifts or, and, and, and things. And so it's, uh, you know, figuring out what it is that they respond to and, and just spending that time with them because it's, it's like every two years or even every six months when they're real little, you have a different version of, of the same person but a completely different version, you know. And you just only have so much time. For instance, my wife, uh, the other night, you know, my, my daughter was, Daddy, will you come in here? I want to read a book to you. You know, she wanted to read to me. And we just had 8 million things going on, important things that mattered. And my wife said, you know, one day you will, there's no amount of money you wouldn't give to be able to go back there and have Piper read you a book. And right now you have that chance. You need to stop what you're doing and go back there. <laughs> yes, ma'am, you're right. And so you know what I mean? <laughs> And that's it. So lock into the time, man. You know, be present with them. Well said. Great advice. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. You are a first-class father. And I got to say, Jason Kuhn, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right, I'm back with a couple of closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Jason Kuhn for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And then lock it into First Class Fatherhood. I know the kids have off next week. We're going to keep grinding right here on the podcast. I got an action-packed week full of content for you dads out there. I really hope you enjoy your time off with your kids. I hope you have a blessed and happy Easter. And I will be back here on Monday with Tim Brent. And we're going to follow it through. We got George P. Bush next week, Thomas O'Neill, Rob O'Neill's dad. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Bring it back here and celebrate fatherhood with me. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales as tall as a tree.